All right, Cedar Mill, it is great to see you. My name is Dave, and today we are continuing our journey through the book of Romans, taking stops along the way. The last few weeks we've been in Romans chapter 8, but today we're moving on, and we're going to camp out in a couple of verses that truly have transforming power in our lives. And so if you have your Bible, open it to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read verse 1 because we're going to dive right in. Here we go. Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Right away, as we launch into chapter 12, Paul begins with, therefore, in view of God's mercy. And this is really just Paul's way of summarizing the first 11 chapters of this letter. If you could summarize this entire letter full of so much amazing stuff with one little phrase, Paul does it here. Therefore, in view of God's mercy... Because that's what Paul's been talking about for 11 chapters. God's mercy, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He's been telling us about how we are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. How we're made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. How we've been redeemed through faith in Christ. How we've been given peace and hope and joy through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul has talked in these chapters about how we've been adopted as sons and daughters, that we've not only been pardoned from the penalty of sin, but that we've been given the power to overcome sin in our lives through the Holy Spirit. And now Paul says, in light of all that, in light of all that amazing stuff, that good news, that great news, in light of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, he says, I urge you, I'm I'm imploring you. And in the New King James, it says, I beseech you. Um, In the New Living Translation, it it says, I plead with you. This is Paul saying, with everything he has, I am begging you to allow the transforming power of the gospel to not just sit out here outside of your life, but to seep on in to the very core of who you are. He says, I urge you, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That word true in Greek, it's the word logikos, and it's obviously where we get our English word logical from. Um, And then the word worship is the word latreia, and latreia means that to which a man gives his whole life, or the thing a person dedicates their entire life to. And so Paul is saying here simply this, the logical response to God's overwhelming mercy in your life, to all the things he's done for you through Jesus Christ is for you to give your entire life to him. If you just want to be logically consistent, then the logical response is for you to give him everything that you are. And that's what it means to offer your body as a living sacrifice. It means seeing everything that you do from from the First moment you wake up in the morning until all the way, till you hit the pillow at night as an act of worship, as a, as a moment and as a way of saying, thank you, God, for all that you've done for me and for who you are. And now Paul's gonna talk about how do we do this? 
How do we live these lives of worship? How do we respond to the grace and mercy of God that's been poured out into our lives through the good news of Jesus Christ? Here we go, Romans 12, two. Here's where we're gonna spend most of our time today. This verse is transformational when you really begin to understand it. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right away, Paul says, do not conform. And that word conform in Greek has to do with an outward change. It has, has to do with you know, changing the exterior of your life, your outward circumstances. It reminds me uh, of one of those makeover shows that used to be real popular where a person who had real bad fashion sense was sort of descended on by these, these uh, fashion people who would give him or her a makeover. And they would do things like, give him a haircut. I got a haircut this week, maybe you noticed. I give him a haircut. They'd give him a new wardrobe, put him on a diet, give him a new pair of glasses, maybe some makeup tips. And then honestly, as the show kind of came to a close, all of a sudden they would show the before and after pictures and there's a pretty good change. I mean, there was a big shift, a huge difference. They looked way better. And I would always find myself thinking, why didn't they do this many years earlier? And yet, and yet friends, how they looked had changed, but who they are had not changed at all. Their life had been conformed, but not transformed. And we must not confuse the two. To settle for being conformed, Paul says, is the biggest con this world will offer you. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. The Greek word is metamorphuo. Metamorphuo. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis, of course. And it means total and complete inward change. Conformed, outward change, and then transformed, total and complete inward changed. It means to change the very essence of your being. When you think of metamorphosis, what do you think of? I, I think of caterpillars, of course, because I went to elementary school and they teach you about the metamorphosis of caterpillars in elementary. Maybe you remember this. I didn't remember this, but I read about it this week. When a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it doesn't just grow wings and some antennae and then become a, a butterfly. That's not how it works. It doesn't just change the outside of its body to look like a butterfly. Inside of the cocoon, a caterpillar releases enzymes that actually dissolve its body, in, entire body into this like liquid soup. It becomes liquid and then its cells rearrange the very like building blocks of, of, of what it is begins to change. And then it begins to reform and it grows that, those antennae and those wings and those eyes and all the rest. And then after a few weeks, that at one time now transformed caterpillar nibbles a hole in that cocoon and emerges an entirely new creature, a beautiful butterfly. Friends, this is the kind of change that God is inviting us into not just a change in how we look, not just an exterior change, but an internal change of who we are. This is why Paul says in Galatians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. 
completely changed, completely and utterly transformed. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is not just a Christian makeover show. But what Paul recognizes in these verses is something that's so very significant and something I think we, especially in our world, must be aware of, and that's this. This world that we live in is going to constantly tell you, just conform. Just conform. Don't don't worry about all that transformational stuff. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It takes way too long. We've got a real quick, simple, easy process, and you can just conform. You can just change the exterior of your life, and then everything will be good. Just change your circumstances. That's why Paul adds this little phrase right in the middle of verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, what's a pattern? A pattern is something that you copy, right? You copy a pattern. It's something you emulate. It's something that you, you look to, to kind of to, to model your life or your task after. And Paul is telling us that the secular world that we live in will constantly cope, coax you into copying it, its values, its rules, its thinking. There's going to be this constant pressure and pull. Just emulate this. Just copy this. Just do and act and think this way. In fact, friends, I think this is an important message because there may have never been a moment in history when people were more bombarded with messages on how to think than in our modern, Google-driven, news-constant, email-addicted, screen-saturated, social media-monopolized world. The one that you live in and the one that I live in. And friends, the challenge with this is that depending on who you listen to, the messages can be very different. Just this week, I got numbers of emails, numbers of messages from different people and different sources, all telling me how I should think, how I should vote, and how I should respond and live as a Christian in this world, all with very different messages. One week, multiple messages, different outcomes. Friends, Paul is telling us this, do not pattern your life or your thinking after the thinking of this world. Not ABC, not NBC, not Fox News, not that controversial TV preacher that you like, not that blogger that you're tempted to read all the time, not the magazine or newspaper that tells you what you like to hear, even if it claims to be Christian. Too many of us are looking to outsize, outside sources to shape our lives, to shape our thinking, to shape how we believe we should act and follow Jesus in this world. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't look to anyone but God himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and his divine, authoritative, inspired word as the model for how you should think and live your life as one of his followers. Period. Now, I think, how do I do this, Pastor Dave? Like, I, I, wanna, I don't want to just conform to the patterns of this world. I just don't want to adopt some thinking or some philosophy or, or some, some way of living that is modeled after the, something in this world. I want to follow God, but how do I do that? How do I actually move towards transformation instead of just con, confirmation, right? 
And Paul tells us how. He says, do it through the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul says this entire process, this whole metaphor, metamorphuo process, this whole radically deep internal change process starts in your brain. It begins with your thinking. Friends, do you know how important your thinking is to God? Do you know how important your thinking is to your Christian life. Recently, my kids watched the old Leonardo DiCap DiCaprio movie called Inception. Now, it, it's, it's kind of a crazy movie. I saw it a long time ago. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. But it's about these guys who somehow developed this system where they can sneak into the dreams of other people and then while they're in their dreams, they plant thoughts in their minds. They plant, they plant beliefs in their heads. And those beliefs, when they take root, change the course, change the direction of that person's life. And the, and the movie's crazy. The movie's kind of out there. You really have to think about it. But the point is actually very simple. When we think something, when we think it enough, when we truly believe it, it literally takes our life in a direction. Beliefs, thoughts, what runs through our head is a very powerful thing. Your mind, your thinking is essentially the steering wheel of your life. And friends, that is not a movie truth. That's not a truth from inception. That's a biblical truth. In the Bible, that's why Paul talks about it here and it's why over and over and over again throughout scripture, we're told things like, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's 2 Corinthians 10. Or set your minds on things above, not on earthly things because what happens in your mind is important. Or brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's Philippians chapter four. You see, God cares about what we think about because he knows what we think about will direct how we live and how we follow him. Here's the point. Your thought patterns guide and direct your life for better or worse. So think about what you're thinking about. This is also why Paul, back in Romans chapter eight, you'll remember these verses. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. See, Paul says in Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because he knows that every single thought you have, every single idea and belief you allow to simmer in and settle into your brain is moving you either towards death, away from God, or towards life and peace, towards God, towards who he is and his will for your life. Every thought, every idea and belief is moving you one direction or the other. Let me give you an example of how this plays out in, in an earthly way in, in the context of marriage. This is 
from a book by John Eldridge, um, a guy who wrote a book called Love and War. And in that book, Eldridge writes a chapter, and I read it many years ago. It's called Beware of Agreements. It's a really good chapter. It's a powerful chapter. And in it, Eldridge says this, what we choose to think about, what we choose to believe, in this case, about our marriage, about our spouse, will change the course of our marriage. And his warning is this, beware of choosing to believe something that is destructive to your marriage. Beware of choosing to believe something about your spouse that's not gonna help you love your spouse well. And then he gives some examples. He says, here's some things that sometimes people um, choose to believe, thoughts they, they entertain and allow to simmer and settle into their minds. And then those thoughts begin to shape and control their actions, which shapes and controls their marriage. Things like this, she just complains a lot. She's just a complainer. She likes to complain. She's just a negative person. She's a nag. And people entertain these thoughts. And then these thoughts settle in. They become beliefs. Or, or he's always busy. He's just always busy. He's always working. You know, he, I, I think he likes work more than me. He doesn't even love me anymore. He just loves his job. You see, when you decide to believe something, when you decide to entertain a thought, it will have an impact on how you live your life. And friends, if there is ever a place that we must have transformed thinking, where we must take every thought captive and ask God, is this how you want me to think? Is this true? Is this what you want me to entertain in my brain? We must do that in our marriages. But friends, not just in our marriages, because Paul is talking about our entire lives, all of our existence here, And Paul is calling us to think about our thinking, to consider what thoughts are running through our heads, to ask, what am I allowing to marinate in my brain and take the steering wheel of my life? Because again, friends, our thoughts have power. Do you understand? This is what the scriptures say. There is a spiritual battle happening in this world. And the enemy wants nothing more than to sabotage and ruin your life. And one of the primary ways he seeks to do this is through the very thoughts that simmer in your head. That he plants there and puts there and puts in front of you and says, just think about this, just entertain this, just allow this to take root in your mind. See, the enemy wants to do that to you, but here is the good news. The challenge of Romans 12 too is you are not just a passive bystander in this battle. In the battle for your brain, you can fight the good fight. Dallas Willard says this, the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell on. There's a new app out. A friend of mine showed it to me a couple months ago. It's actually called Dwell and it's just scripture. It's just people reading scripture and some of the people have really amazing accents but the whole idea is rooted right here in Romans 12 too. Like dwell, if you're going to dwell on something, dwell on scripture and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to be really clear about something before we move on. This is not a sermon about the power of positive thinking. In other words, the message for today is not try harder to think better thoughts. This is a message, friends, on letting the Holy Spirit control your thoughts and allowing God to shape your ideas and asking scripture to form your beliefs. This is not 
Try harder. Earlier I said, your mind is the steering wheel of your life. And maybe the question of this sermon is, who's driving? Who's driving? Think about what Paul is saying this way. If the Holy Spirit is a radio station, how can I tune my brain in to pick up that signal where I hear that voice, where what's going into my mind is truly coming from him? Because again, this isn't just positive thinking or happy thinking. Sometimes, sometimes, friends, when we're tuned into the Holy Spirit and we're thinking the things that God wants us to think, we'll be thinking thoughts of conviction, or challenge, or sorrow. And that's not always a bad thing. That's a good thing. God can use those thoughts to guide and direct and redirect our lives in really positive, positive ways. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Godly sorrow brings repentance. This idea of turning, turning our lives, shifting what we're doing. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no Regret. You see, sometimes the Spirit will offer you things to think about that aren't fun, that aren't positive, that aren't happy, but they are really good things, things that we need to hear. This is not a message about the power of positive thinking. This is a message about surrendering our thinking to the Holy Spirit and to God himself. Just that last week, I, I experienced this, this very thing. I was talking to a friend on the phone about something that had happened to me, a, a, a hurt that I'd experienced, something that happened in my life that really upset me. And I feel very safe with this particular friend. And so I was just talking about it and I was emotional and I was a bit upset and I just started venting and I was saying some things that I probably shouldn't said. And then we got off the phone and I felt a little better, but I also felt the Holy Spirit starting to challenge and like tap on like the door of my mind. And he was saying, Dave, you, you were a bit out of line. You were, you, were, you, were, you were off the grid a little bit on some of the things you said in that conversation and you did not speak in accordance with who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so as my emotions calmed down and as the spirit began to sort of reinform my thinking, I picked up the phone a couple hours later and said, hey, about some of the things I said in that phone call, I need to apologize. Because godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. And God used that conversation to get my mind and my heart and my life back on the right track. You see, the question isn't, are your thoughts happy thoughts? But is my thinking being led and driven and controlled by the Holy Spirit? And friends, this is how we do this. How do we line up our thinking? How are we transformed by the renewing of our minds? How do we make sure our thinking is in line with God's thinking and what he wants our thinking to be? Here's how I'm gonna give you three things and they're simple, but they're significant. Number one, prayer. Prayer is essential because this is where we talk to God. This is where we share our thinking with our heavenly father and then we give him through the power of his, the Holy Spirit the chance to say, I don't think that's right. That idea isn't aligned with my kingdom values. Those beliefs are not a reflection of who I am and who I'm calling you to be. See, when we talk to God, we give him the chance to talk to us. And I don't know if you're like this or not, but sometimes for me, just talking with someone about something sort of redirects me instantly. 
Sometimes I don't even need to hear from the other person. Sometimes just voicing something to my wife, as soon as I say it to her, I know, hmm, that's not quite right. I got to change that. I got to shift that. Sometimes just talking to another pastor or a friend will change my heart before they even have the chance to respond. Sometimes I need them to respond. Sometimes I need to stop and listen and allow them to speak back. But sometimes I don't even have to. And the same thing is true with God. Sometimes just going to him in prayer realigns and redirects my thinking. Sometimes he doesn't even have to say a word. Sometimes he just kind of gives me that look. Like, Dave, you know better. That's not who you are. You know who I am. Do I even have to say what you know I'm going to say? And sometimes I say, no, Lord, I know what you're going to say. Sometimes I need to hear from him. But sometimes I just know as soon as we begin to talk. So number one, prayer. It's essential. And let me ask you, are you frequently talking to God? Are you running your thoughts past him regularly? Because this is one of the central ways in which our minds are renewed. Let me get a little more personal. Are you talking to God as much as you're listening to commentators on the internet? I hope that you are. Number two, scripture. Scripture will renew our minds. A few weeks ago, I was out to lunch with Luis Palau. And uh, I was talking with Luis. I don't get to go out to lunch with Luis all that often, but when I do, I try to soak up every minute. And we were chatting about a number of things. But at one point he started to ask me about my children. And I was telling him about my, my three kids and kind of what they're up to and how they're doing through all the stuff that's happening. And at one point I was talking about my son. I think I made a, a side comment like, well, you know, it's, it's tough being a 14 year old boy. And then Luis jumped like right on me. He was like, well, then you encourage him in the Lord and you remind him to like, to dive into the scriptures and seek God and follow him. And it's just kind of a whim. I pulled my phone out. I just pulled my phone out and I go, well, well, you tell him, Luis. And I flip over to my camera and I put it on video and I said, give him a message. And I hit record. I mean, it was literally that quick. And Luis pulled out without a, like a second's notice, just ripped into a message for my son. And he quoted this scripture, Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And then he said, here's verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, what Luis understands and what he knows and the message he offered to me and to my kids, to my son specifically that day was this. Scripture will renew your mind. Scripture will give you right thinking. Scripture will dial you in to the perspective that God longs for you to have like nothing else. Are you allowing scripture to constantly fill your brain and shape your thinking? And then finally, community. Because sometimes we do just need people to speak into our lives. Sometimes we do just need good Christian brothers and sisters to, to challenge our thinking and correct our thinking and tell us when we're a little bit off track because I don't know about you, I have this amazing ability to rationalize my own thoughts. I have this, this ability to sort of play games with myself and, and sort of kind of get to the result that I want to get to. Because I love to be right. I, I don't know if you're like this, but I love to be right. And so I'll convince myself I'm right and I'll hold on to that. Here's an old story I've told before, but a guy is driving past a bakery and he really wants a donut. And so he prays, God, 
I, I only want to have a donut if it's your will for me to have a donut. And so here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm going to drive into the parking lot of this bakery. And if there's a parking spot available to me, then I'll know it's your will for me to stop and have a donut. And sure enough, he drives into the parking lot and pulls up. And right in front of the donut store is an open slot. His sixth time through. You see, that's kind of how we are sometimes. We, we can manipulate ourselves into thinking any way that we want to. And so we need trusted, loved, mature brothers and sisters in Christ to speak truth back to us. Let me ask you this, friends. Who have you given permission to to challenge your thinking? Who have you given permission to challenge your thinking? Who have you said in a real explicit way, not in a covert way, not sort of, kind of, but in a very clear and explicit way, hey, when I'm off, when I'm wrong, when I'm out of line, when I make a mistake or when I say something that's, that's not true or not right or off color or offensive or not in line with who God longs for me to be, when I say something like that or I express a thought that's not fully aligned with who I am in Jesus Christ, you have full permission to tell me. In fact, please call me on that stuff. Because to be authentic it's a big word in our culture right now. Be authentic, be authentic. To be authentic is to say, this is who I really am. This is what I really believe. This is what I really think. I'm being authentic. But friends, the scriptures, I believe, call us to be more than authentic. They call us to be vulnerable. And vulnerability says, this is who I really am. And please tell me when I should be someone different. Who have you given permission to challenge your thinking? And then the closing sentence of this verse, Paul says, then, then when your mind is submitted to the control of the Holy Spirit, when you have sought to align your thoughts and your beliefs and your brain with God, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of us in these days are asking, what's God's will? What's his good, pleasing, and perfect will? Friends, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Dial in your thinking with his thinking, not the thinking of the internet, not the thin thinking of other commentators or pundits out there with God's thinking, dialing with the Lord, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you've given the steering wheel of your mind to the Holy Spirit and allowed him to align your thinking with your heavenly father, then, then you'll be able to find that life of worship that God calls you to. Then you'll be able to experience peace and hope and joy, the kind Paul talks about throughout Romans. Then you will know God's will and you'll be able to walk in a way that is good and pleasing to him. The gospel is good news. You've been redeemed. You've been restored. You've been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You are called his child, his beloved son, his beloved daughter. And now, because of that, Paul urges you, brothers and sisters, in view of that great mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, 
pleasing and perfect will. Amen.